This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The thing about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive is that by now you've heard a lot of ads about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. We probably don't even need the words, the Name Your Price tool, to tell you that our humpback whale pup gives you options based on your budget. Or that our novelty hand buzzer helps you save on car insurance. And that's the thing about the tiny felt bag filled with marbles. At this point, you've heard a lot of ads about the elusive northern bobcat. The Name Your Price tool. <clears throat> the neighbor who baked you banana bread. Only from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast postgame show is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's in Crest Hill, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, and SeatGiant.com. Use promo code MADHOUSE at checkout to save. Oh my God. They won? Let's drop the damn puck. Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast postgame show with 670 The Score's Jay Zawoski and NBC Chicago's James Naveau. Welcome into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast postgame show. Finally, we are talking about a Chicago Blackhawks victory. It feels like it's been a month when in reality it's only been five games. But man, a long time coming. The Hawks got out to an early lead and never looked back in the Little Caesar Center, whatever the hell it's called, in Detroit now. Uh, home of the empty seats. Hockey town. Home of empty seats everywhere. That was a little bit strange. I'm going to talk to James about that on the next podcast because I know we're going to focus on the game tonight. But Pat Foley and Steve Conroy sort of talked about it. Why are you building a building with red seats that stand out vividly when they're empty? I mean, it was probably the most noticeable thing about the Red Wings tonight because they, much like the Blackhawks have looked lately, looked like they had zero interest in playing hockey tonight. They were spectators for most of the game. Again, towards the end, they sort of turned it on and got some scoring chances, but uh, the Hawks really took it to them this game. And how about that top line of Jonathan Taves, Alex DeBrincat, and Anthony DeClaire? I loved the way that line looked tonight. You saw them playing with speed. One thing I like about DeClaire and DeBrinkett is they're very north and south players. They play up and down. They're not always trying to weave in and out of traffic and peel off and make plays. Very direct in their game. And at least for one night, it seemed to complement Jonathan Taze very well. He looked more comfortable than I've seen him look in a long time. Made some beautiful passes to set up a goal, uh, especially the, uh, I believe it was a second DeBrinkett goal. Just a beautiful pass by Jonathan Taves to set that one up. That line was rolling, and I think overall, what I liked about the game tonight was the fact that the Hawks, for the most part, kept things simple. There weren't a lot of times where, like we've seen over the last little bit, and like Ray Ferraro and Mike Milbury talked about last night, you see these guys pressing when they're not scoring, when things aren't going their way. And there was an example in last night's game against the Leafs, and I'm sure James mentioned this in his postgame report, where Jonathan Taves had himself a scoring chance, 
then pulled at a backhand and got in too deep and had no scoring opportunity anymore. That's a sign of players pressing. I think the best thing to happen to the Blackhawks tonight was getting on the board early, then getting up two goals early, and it just allowed them to sort of loosen up and play their game, and when they do that, they're a much better team. I said on our last podcast that I don't think that this is an issue of talent. I don't think that this team lacks the ability or lacks the depth or whatever, however you want to put it to be a playoff team. Not at all. I think this team, this roster should be a playoff roster. And I think before this season began, even though there were some question marks and the burn kit, no one really knew what Connor Murphy was. I think when you looked up and down this lineup, playoffs were definitely the expectation. Maybe not the best record in the West like last season, but this was definitely a playoff contender. And when you see games like tonight, despite how poorly the Red Wings played and how disinterested they looked, you saw the things from the Blackhawks tonight that make them look like a playoff team. And when they're keeping their game simple and when they're, you know, going forward instead of sideways or backwards, they're, they can be very effective. And I want to go back to that top line because one of the narratives last night, and it was true, I don't think anyone really argued it, was that Jonathan Taves has looked slow. Looks like he's having trouble keeping the pace uh, over the last season and a half or so. All of a sudden, Quenville puts him with two of the faster skaters on the team. And when I saw those lines today, I sort of said, well, for a guy struggling to keep up, I don't know if this is the best idea, but it worked. It worked. I don't know if just their straight-ahead play kept him kind of playing in the same way, um, but they they dominated the game tonight. They were outstanding. Taves looked as good as he's looked in a long time, so it's encouraging. I don't know if we can get too far ahead of ourselves here and uh, make too much of it and say they're back or problems are solved or anything like that. Detroit's a bad team who played one of their worst games of the year. Both teams now are on break with the All-Star game coming up this weekend. Who's excited for that, huh? No, me neither. Um, but Hawks don't play again until Tuesday when they play Nashville. Now, I wonder, is it a good thing that they won this game before the break? I mean, obviously, the, a win's good either way. But would you rather see them play more you know, next before Tuesday? Because now they're feeling good about this win, and now they've got to go through the All-Star break and they don't have a lot of time to sort of bounce back quickly and play another game while they're feeling good. So we'll see. Once the All-Star breaks over, maybe a couple guys that are fighting some injuries can can battle back a little bit, rest up a little bit, so some of those nagging things can go away. And uh, you thought the bye week would, would help with that, but, hey, any time off is a good thing as long as it's not too much. So um, I'm interested to see how they're going to look Tuesday when they play Nashville. Uh, but, again, some encouraging things tonight in goal. I'm officially done with Jeff Glass. I was never really on board in the first place. I know a lot of people really liked what they saw from him, and there's been some games where he's played well, and he's, you know, kept the team in it, and he hasn't been awful. But I just don't see an NHL goalie when I see Jeff Glass. What I saw tonight from Anton Forsberg, while he wasn't spectacular and didn't have to make a, a lot of hard saves, I see a big goalie who takes up a lot of net, who plays pretty well positionally, and there were three or four shots that I don't know, I'm not even sure Forsberg saw, but they hit him because he was in the right position and he was playing the right angles. I think until Corey Crawford's back, and who knows when that is, Quenville said, uh, I believe he said on Wednesday or Tuesday, that he was going to probably make the trip after the All-Star break and practice, but probably not play. He's still a bit of a ways away. So if we're looking at another two, three weeks without Corey Crawford, I think I want to see the Forsberg 
glass ratio be sort of three to one? That makes a little bit of sense to me. Three starts for Forsberg, one for glass. I don't think you want to wear Forsberg into the ground, but I just think he's the better goalie. I really do. Um, curious what you guys think as well. As always, if you have a comment, you can hit us up at madhousepod at gmail.com or on our Twitter account at madhousepod. But real solid game tonight. The Hawks beat the Red Wings 5-1 to one in Detroit. One thing I want to get back to the empty arena a little bit before I get to some questions I got on Twitter tonight. Um, Foley was saying that the concourse is so entertaining that people don't <laughs> they, they like don't even bother to go to their seats. Now that's kind of a crazy thought when you think about it because aren't you there for a hockey game and what could possibly be so appealing <laughs> that you opt to not watch the game and go hang out in the concourse. I don't know. I have to know. I mean, is it Little Caesars Pizza? I don't think so. I don't think that that's the thing that's going to really uh, grab the attention away from Red Wings fans. Maybe there's some cool interactive games, things like that. But I'd love to know what is so great about this new arena that's keeping Red Wings fans you know, out of their seats and in the concourse. It's got to be something uh, quite magical. All right, before we wrap up, I'll take a couple questions here on Twitter. I'll probably start doing this after a couple games. Chad Williams uh, writes, he says, what am I missing with Saad? Other than his first game back, he's been a non-factor. Do they miss Panarin as much as I think they do? Well, I mean, all you can do now is look at the numbers. And while Brandon Saad this preseason and early on in this season looked like a man possessed, Looked like a guy who was going to score 35 to 40 goals. And probably for the first, I don't know, 10 games or so, I still felt good about it. Now, he's still getting his scoring chances. They're absolutely coming. He's just had some really horrible puck luck. Things are not going in for him. Uh, There's even a chance tonight where he almost scored and didn't. It's just uh, it, the luck has not been there for Saad. But you'd like to see him carry play a little more on his own and be more of a factor even if the puck's not going in because I feel like a lot of the times I'm only seeing Saad when he almost scores there's not a lot of noticeable off the puck or puck controlling plays from him not as many as I expected to see from him especially based on the small sample size we got in the preseason I thought he looked outstanding and I wasn't alone in that I think everybody was excited about how Saad looked early on but I say this all the time on this podcast, and it's true, and I'll always say it. These guys are human beings, and the longer struggles go on, the more they're going to think about every time they have the puck, the more they're going to press about scoring a goal. And I think Saad just needs, you know, maybe one to hit him in the butt, hit him in the stick, something like that, and go in the net because he needs a little bit of luck on his side. And maybe if he gets two or three goals here, in the near future, he can sort of get back to that form he was early on in the year. So the question is, yeah, I think we all expected more from him, especially statistically. And then Chad's second question was, did they miss Panarin as much as I think they do? I do think they miss Panarin a lot. And while I like the trade, and I still stand by the trade because the idea was, look, once you get in the playoffs, you need someone like Brandon Saad to go create some goals. Well, guess what? You need to get in the playoffs first. And uh, maybe if they have Artemi Panarin, they're a little bit closer because he was the thing that really the only ray of hope on their power play in years past was Artemi Panarin's scoring ability. And that's not there this year. The power plays looked really bad. So, you know, I, I do think they miss Panarin. I don't know if I would still 
undo that trade, especially when you consider the financial considerations that are coming up in the next few years. All those things count. And I know a lot of times it's sort of natural for fans to look at trades like they're happening on a PlayStation where it's like, well, this guy is better than this guy, so this is a bad trade. Maybe that's true, but there's things you have to look at because there's no way the Hawks are going to be able to sign uh, Artemi Panarin. Saad is signed long-term for the same money. So um, that made sense from a financial standpoint. There's a lot of rumors that um, the Blackhawks sort of went to Stan Bowman and said, look, we really miss Brandon Saad. What can you do to get him back here? And he did it. So there's a lot of factors that go into us other than just player A versus player B, who's better. There's a lot of other things like that. So uh, keep that in mind whenever you're thinking about a trade, thinking about an analyzing a trade. Um, that That's just sort of what I try to keep in mind myself, and it's been, it's been tough. It's tough to do that sometimes. All right, tweet here from Let Him Know. He says, maybe you can talk about what the Hawks might do after the All-Star break in the trade market if they can get on a roll and look like a wild card contender come the trade deadline. <sighs> We've talked about this a bit on the podcast, and I think as the season goes on, we're going to talk about it a little bit more. I don't see the Hawks doing anything for several reasons, and here's why. They realistically can't afford the kind of player that's going to help them, right? If they're going to go find a guy who's going to make a difference and be the difference between not just getting in the playoffs but contending or being what they are now, I don't think they have what it takes to do that unless they want to trade Nick Schmaltz and or and or Alex DeBrincat. They're obviously not going to do that. They're, they obviously shouldn't do that. So I think what you're going to see, if they do anything, it's going to be more along the lines of the Duclair trade. They'll look around the organization and say, okay, what can we, you know, stand to lose here? What can we look to upgrade? I still think they want to get faster. They might want to get faster on the blue line. Um, that's a consideration. I just don't think it's going to be anything that's going to make headlines. You know, I think, sadly, the Anthony Duclair trade might be the biggest one of the season. Um, so, yeah, I would be surprised that there's a lot more, um, you know, on the trade uh, horizon as far as really, really – you know, impact kind of players go. And when you look at the list, there's not really a lot available anyway. All the playoff races, at least at this point, are very kind of jammed up, mucked up. Um, so I don't think a lot of teams are looking to trade major pieces. A couple guys that could be considered play for Detroit. You look at Mike Green. If you can get Detroit to pick up a big bulk of that salary, that's some speed on the blue line. I don't know what he's got left in the tank. But if all of a sudden the Hawks, you know, start to r rattle off some games here, and that was sort of the basis of his question, uh, if they rattle off some wins, maybe you can look at adding a guy like that. But again, it would take a major salary pickup, and you're not going to give up a whole hell of a lot to get it. And I would feel like Detroit can probably get more from Mike Green than the Hawks can give. The other name is Jimmy Howard, who was brutal tonight in the game. But if Corey Crawford's hurt, that's maybe someone they could look to add. I just don't think that they're both they're both long shots. I was just sort of had Detroit in my mind tonight as watching that game, and they did mention that Mike Green's a guy who was expecting to be dealt at the deadline. Um, it would take a miracle for the Hawks to get, I think, either of those guys, and uh, I don't know if they really should. If Corey Crawford's not back, 
by trade deadline time, this season is going to be a wash anyway. There's no point in trying to upgrade and squeeze in. You're not going to win a Stanley Cup with uh, Jimmy Howard in there. You not, probably won't even win a round of hockey if he's your starter. Um, and again, Mike Green was a really, really good player seven, eight years ago. He's a shadow of that now. Still okay. Still a decent player. But no one I'm going to sacrifice the future or break the, or break the bank to acquire. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast postgame show. The Blackhawks beat up the Detroit Red Wings, which is always nice to say. 5-1 to one in Detroit. Alex Debrinkett with his second hat trick of the season. Anthony DeClaire, a really nice game. Jonathan Taves, really nice game. I think overall a very solid game for the Blackhawks and something they can hopefully build on when they return from the All-Star break on Tuesday. James and I taking the All-Star break off as well. So we'll talk to you guys early next week, maybe Monday or Tuesday after the Nashville game, but we'll be back with a full podcast next week. In the meantime, have a great weekend. Enjoy the All-Star festivities, and we'll talk to you next time on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, which has been brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Marishka's, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, and SeatGiant.com. Use promo code MADHOUSE at checkout to save. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time. If you look around, you'll see the world can be pretty smart. Okay, very smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. That's why we're reshaping online learning with our FlexPath format. You can set your own deadlines, take classes at your own pace, even leverage your previous experience to move faster. So when it comes to earning your bachelor's degree, you know what kind of choice to make. A smart one. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg and real cheese folded over the side looking just so good. Mmm, mmm. Grilled onions and a butter bagel too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. Mmm. Ba-ba-ba-ba. I participate in McDonald's.